Hello and welcome once again to Good Darts, brought to you by our friends at Low Six. It is the podcast that's all about darts. The quality cannot be guaranteed, especially not this week. But we do welcome onto the show a two-time world master and former world champion in the bullet, Stephen Bunting. We are getting ever closer to the return of live darts with the Premier League back in Milton Keynes. And Wayne Mardle will be back as well, but not till next week. So we've got another stand-in co-host. He's a darts player. He's a media magnate. He's a man who enjoys the feel of tiny spandex pants on his oiled body. He is the primetime player, Mr. Matt Edgar. Matt, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, any excuse to uh, plaster myself all over the internet, you know me, Dan. Um, yeah. I, I was getting a bit worried, actually, because when you started speaking, you went, oh, we've got on the show this week, we've got a two-time world Matt, and I'm like, oh, I think he's read the wrong biography here. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was getting a bit worried at one point, but yeah, we, we got there in the end, so... Oh. Two-time Challenge Tour winner, though. So, I mean, that's not to be sniffed at. That Challenge Tour, particularly nowadays, that's that's a, a good old tour tour event to win, that. I actually uh, had a look into the Challenge Tour today, actually, to look at what the previous winners have done. And um, I think there's some interesting players coming from that. And, you know, you, I think 2016 was definitely an interesting year. Uh, the year Rob Cross coming through. There's a lot of players come from that year, so... Uh, yeah, it's definitely a good tour for sure. Yeah, you're right. Well, Ryan Sir was one, wasn't he? Because him and him and Cross were battling out the top of the Challenge Tour rankings. But it had, you've you've played on the full tour in the Challenge Tour for what the the last sort of eight nine years now, haven't you? Mm. So you've seen how it's become the Challenge Tour in particular has become a really good sort of feeder system. Whereas previously it was probably you know just lots of guys who were there to play darts and enjoy it. Now you're looking at it and thinking. Well, anybody who's winning stuff on there could do some real damage when they step up, could they not? I think that's been reflected in the PDC's reaction to that as well, actually, because when the Challenge Tour first started uh, in 2014, I was on that Challenge Tour that year, and it was basically just a tour for people who wasn't good enough to get a tour card that year. Hmm. Um, Now, you know, the Challenge Tour gets you in the World Championships. You get a two-year tour card. There's a lot of benefits now of winning the Challenge Tour because I think the PDC's realised that there's better than 128 players out there. And actually, some of the players on the Challenge Tour, as they're proving when they're stepping up and filling in the places, are good enough to be on the full-time Pro Tour. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you could say the same about the Development Tour. I know they play over a shorter format, but you see some of the standard of the displays there and it's it's a proving ground it's a breeding ground it's where the next generation of players are coming from but don't rule out some of the guys who maybe dropped off the tour not nathan aspinall dropped off the tour didn't he and then wins a challenge tour and it kind of rejuvenates him he's, he, he's hit heights that he never hit in his first appearance on the tour and you you've are you playing the best darts of your life because you've dropped on and off the tour on a couple of occasions but you kept holding your tour card at the start of this year do you think you're playing better than ever matt Yes, definitely at the minute, yes. Um, there's a lot that goes on and, you know, people will only ever judge you on looking at who got to six legs first. There's an awful lot that goes on and an awful lot of work that goes into it. Progress, especially within darts, is is like losing weight. You know, you don't turn up one week and all of a sudden you've lost a stone. It, it takes micro gains all the time. And... I think we did an interview after the World Championships, actually. We sat down together, didn't we, at the Alexander mm. Palace? And I said to you then, I says, uh, I'm nowhere near the complete article yet. There's more to be done. And I, I'm still on that that trail, you know. I'm still learning bits. I'm still picking bits up. And I, I'm developing. And, uh, you know, I, I'm developing at a rate that 
I'm happy with, you know, you look at things and whose standards are we judged by? You know, uh, I remember watching back the summer series, one of my matches, and I think it was Chris Murphy on commentators and he goes, Matt's had an indifferent summer series here. You know, he, he made a couple of last 32s, he's done this. And, and I thought, indifferent, I'm actually really happy with this. I've won more games than I've lost. I've beat Mensa Suljevic. I've missed three match starts to beat Gary Anderson. I'm picking up ranking money of, I was inside the top 32 of the summer series, which is better than my world ranking so if i am performing better than my world ranking i'm making progress and i thought whose standards do we judge by you know with this and i think if you ask every individual player every individual player will tell you if they are feeling successful or not and i to answer your question yeah i feel like i'm playing successful and i think that uh, i'm going to keep climbing Uh, i'm not climbing the rankings Nathan Aspin or Dimitri Vandenberg speed, but I'm climbing them, and that's uh, that's what you got to do. Well, if you're making progress, you're doing the right things, aren't you? So, uh, yeah, I'll say yes, I am playing very nice stuff. Well, a three and a half grand one at the summer series, that's a decent few days' work in Milton Keynes. You don't want to listen to anything Murph says. I know we got him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but just generally disregard everything that man says. Plus, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely astonished. We've been talking for a few minutes, and you haven't mentioned 170 finishing Gary Anderson. Because even when you logged in so we could do this little podcast chat, you logged in under the name 170 Finish Machine. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you'd set me up for it, uh, but I was hoping you'd <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd set me up for it in a way that I could just be like, oh yeah, by well, the way, that I did old this, thing, so, yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, if anyone doesn't know, I did play the back-to-back world champion. <laughs> Gary Anderson at the summer series and um, I took out 170 finish to beat him but I tell you what that actually sparked a lot of conversation because I've I was doing live streams on my YouTube channel the whole way through that and I kept saying on there and I mean I lost to Gary Anderson earlier in the week I missed three match starts to beat him and I said that day I says I haven't lost I've learned I've learned from this and you know you look at like psychological edges and that day I went into a phase that I like to call knowing when I was playing Gary Anderson, I was so sure I was going to hit everything. And, you know, that last leg, he hit six, uh, five out of six perfect darts on throw. And I broke the throw to win the match 6-4 with 12 data. And I just never at any point felt I was going to lose that. It's a lovely place to be. Uh, I call it knowing. When you're more confident when you're more confident than confident and you just know you're going to get it. And, you know, you go for 170 for the match while he's sat on a, a single data and you're you pop it and you never feel you're going to miss it. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been so vocal about that. And the other reason, like I say, I can plaster it all over the internet and say, look what I did. (laughs) To be fair, look, I mean, that idea of knowing you're going to hit stuff, I've had so many darts players talk to me about that at the end of games where they've just... They, sometimes they're, they're going up there hoping to hit stuff, but sometimes they just know. They'll see a bullseye finish or something, and it just looks like a dinner plate. It's like, I cannot miss this. I know this is going to go in before I even let go of the dart. That must be an absolutely incredible feeling that normal mortal people just never experience in their entire life. Uh, yeah, I suppose you just need to experience it more, and you'll be able to achieve what you want in the game, isn't it? Exactly. Um, I, I, to be honest... I've kind of achieved my original goal that I wanted to do at the minute. And right now it's about reassessing and moving forward again. And for me, I wanted from when I was 14 years old, I wanted to be a professional dart player. That's all I wanted to do. I got pulled in at school by my head teacher, my head teacher. And he brought my dad in and this says, you need to apply yourself to your work. You're not, you're, 
we've all been there, haven't we? Well, most of us have been there. You more than others, I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I didn't like putting my head down at school, to be honest. Mm. Uh, You can probably tell if you watch any of my social media stuff and you look at my spelling and my grammar. (laughs) Um, That's the grammar of a guy that didn't apply himself. Um, And I got pulled in and he's got his whiteboard and he's got his marker pen. And he goes, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I'm going to be a professional dart player. And he goes, right. He goes, okay. So he goes, how many people in the world do you think are professional dart players? Now, this is showing my age. This was about 2000, 2001, before we went into GCSE years. And I said, there's about 16, which is about fair for that time. And he writes on the board, 16. He goes, how many people in the world do you think there are? I said, lots. So he writes lots on, you know, (laughs) proper taking the mic, lots. And then he goes, right, 0.0, and he put loads of zeros on the board. And he goes, one. And he says, why are you going to be the person that's that percentage out of all the millions of people in the world? And I said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all the markers into place. I said, and one by one, I'm going to bash them down until I achieve my goal. And then he turns around and goes, well, why don't you do that with your schoolwork? My dad being the type of person he was and being a very open-minded, supportive man turns around and he goes, but you believe in education and mainstream schooling, he goes, and you're trying to force it onto him rather than encourage him into what he wants to do. Shouldn't you maybe be looking at offering him like a support, like a backup? Like rather than trying to force down his throat this way, shouldn't you be maybe looking, okay, well, if that don't go wrong, maybe we need to help you set up for a backup career. And and then I, I just thought I've got to uh, I've got to do this now because uh, my dad supported me here in this situation and he did, he supported me so much growing up. And um, I thought I, I can't, I can't not, and I'm at that stage now. I'm, I've achieved that goal that when I was in that classroom at 14 years old, the, the head teacher, I wish I could remember his name, you know, I can turn around to him now and go, ah, you shouldn't discourage people from what they want to oh, do. Well, I'm hoping he's a regular subscriber to Edgar TV. I'm hoping he's listening to this right now. Uh, it's a shame you can't remember his name because we could dedicate this episode of the Good Darts Pod to him. But fair enough, look, you, you hit a 170 finish to beat Gary Anderson. Where's your head teacher now, eh? Eh? Exactly. I'd, I'd, I'd literally, I'd love to see him. And I mean, school was so different then as well, wasn't it? Like in year six, I was told that I was thick and wouldn't amount to anything. You know, ah, where are you now? I remember that. That was Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Okay. Jones, because ironically, I ended up working at the same school. I ended up being a PE teacher there. <laughs> Superb. I like Irony, that. eh? Yeah, look, um, where's the wrestling coming to this, Matt? Because is that is that gone now? Because I know you were you're a keen amateur wrestler. Where does that fit into your life at all, or is it just like the little collectible figures you have now? Oh, I've, I've got to be careful how I answer this one. Um, right. <laughs> now, me personally, I'm back in the gym. I'm training. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm losing a bit of weight. I'm feeling good. And every time I do this, I always think, "What if? What if?" Mm. And I've got a guy who I'm still friends with who still does it. And he contacted me and he says, you still owe me a match. And I'm like, I do actually, don't I? And he goes, how do you feel about next year? He says, coming down, he says, get yourself six months training. He goes, and we'll have a match. And I've gone, oh, I like the sound of that. The missus got wind of it. She goes, don't you dare. Ah, right. She goes, don't you dare. Then... She brought the conversation up with my sponsors around, and they oh, went, "Oh no, yeah, they're not." Are like you that. stupid or something? Yeah, that's not <laughs> and ideal. I'm like, it's fine, it's fine. 
Yeah, don't so, do yeah. it right before the UK Open and your customary trip to the last 32, uh, because that would be a problem if you bust your arm before then. I feel quite bad here, actually, because... Oh, I think you probably know the way I'm going to go with this because you keep dropping in like little achievements that I've got here uh, before I get the chance to do it. So <laughs> you, you're beating me to it here. I'm running just, out of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I just know what's coming, Matt. <laughs> I'm running out of material. Um, See, so, I mean, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do the wrestling again. I think there's so much that I've learned so much. I've learned an awful lot from wrestling. And that's something I would love to bring into darts. I'd love there to be like a player liaison or a player manager within the pdc that would help support the players a little bit because at the moment we've got let's say a young lad comes through the development tour gets his tour card gets on the tour um goes qualifies for one of the major events and they're literally sent a player's brief and then they're chucked into the into the deep end basically there's the Mm. cameras there's the stage get on with it now in there there's so much that comes first you know there's things like the walk on there's things about like when you get on stage there's a lot of time there that feels alien to people that i think maybe what we could do is get somebody who can help players manage that period of time so then what we don't have is we don't have people I mean, we need one or two of them, but darts is going the way at the moment where everyone's going 1980s karaoke and they stand on stage waving the fingers around like a conductor and then they go, oh, what a character. Um, I think uh, we need are to you see having a sly bit. dig at Daryl Gurney there? I think Daryl's okay because he was the first one, right, I think, okay. that was doing that. But then, you know, it's like... Wayne Mardle started dancing and now everyone wants to dance. You know, Daryl did that and everyone wants to do that. It it's a bit repetitive and I think what we we don't everyone can't be a character. Look look at wrestling. If everyone was the Undertaker it wouldn't work. But the Undertaker works because he's a character. Now you need that and you need that you know, um, what's what's the song? How's it go? Uh I'm not scared to be... I can't sing, by the way. I make no apologies. This is me. Ooh, you know the one. Um, yeah. From The Greatest Showman. Garen Price walked one. onto that once. I think only once, though. Yeah. And that that's it. And what a, what a great fitting tune for that man, you know. And <laughs> it, it you look at it and you think, that is what it needs to be. I mean, I've had people say to me, like, with what I do with social media and what I do with YouTube, like, I'd love to have the guts to do what you did and to put yourself out there. But they're so scared of rejection, they're so scared of the negativity that comes with social media and comes with actually putting yourself out there, that they don't put themselves out there. And actually, then we, I think, overall, everything suffers. At the moment, everybody relies on the PDC. Every single player needs a PDC to promote them, to publicise them. And the only time that some of the players are actually going to be cared about is through the PDC's involvement, where what I would like to see is through a player liaison is that actually players bring something to the table rather than take from the table. Maybe it's putting the cart before the first things first. You've got to throw darts, haven't you, before you start branding yourself as a character or doing this, that and the other. But ultimately, if you want to be a superstar of this game, then just being really, really, really good at darts is not going to make you stand out above lots of the other guys who are really, really, really good at darts. Having an image helps. I mean, it's worked for Simon Whitlock in the past. It's worked for Peter Wright, certainly. And I think it probably works. Even for Dimitri, you know, Dimitri does his dancing. That's a point of difference. And it's something that makes him stand out from the rest of the pack. 
Exactly. They, they they bring something a little bit different and a bit of originality. And like you say, you know, there, there is that thing of the horse before the cart um, in terms of where does the player liaison work? And like in my example, it was like when they threw and they've qualified for a major, for example, that's where the liaison should be working. You see it and you probably interview people at Q School all the time and you know, they've gone in there, they've not won a game yet, but they've got the walk-on song, they've got this, they've got that, they've got hmm. all picked out, they, they, they've got the shirt, it, it's all there for them. That's not the time that these players need this help and support. I think that maybe this should be coming a little bit when they get through to, like, the stages and things. And like you said, you've named some people there. We could probably list off 20, 30 names of quality, quality dart players who are probably going to, unfortunately, get forgotten about pretty quick because there was just good dart players and that sounds ridiculous they're just one of the world's best dart players but darts is one of those sports that has such a high turnover i mean how many you go to the world championships how many people are on debut how many people are actually repeating appearances from previous years there's so many new faces all the time mm. and it's it's so quick and it's such a quick moving sport i did a video recently about 2015 looking at the top 32 players and off the top of my head, I think it was like 17 players still around from the top 32 in five years. Yeah. The changing of the guard happens all the time. But our guest on the podcast this week is a man who's been up in the top 32 and indeed the top 16 for a, a significant chunk of his time in the PDC. It is a two-time world master, a former world champion. It's the bullet, Stephen Bunting. These are the questions that you should be asking. Stephen, thanks for joining us on the show. Look, I'm going to start off. It's one of the questions I ask dart players all the time. What would your life be like if darts just did not exist at all? But yours would be really, really different, wouldn't it? Just list some of the jobs you've done before you became a full-time professional darts player. I've worked for the council. Um, I've worked for the continents team. Yeah, just work, work for the construction company, obviously taking um, people's testings and stuff. So... A lot, a lot of various jobs. Worked in a in A one eighty dart behind the behind the shop selling darts and upstairs in the in the in the office sort of thing. So, yeah, a lot of various jobs. But that's probably what I'd be doing if darts didn't exist. I'd be sat behind a computer somewhere in a really hot room. <laughs> like one of your jobs was literally you you were in some sort of call center where you sent out like incontinence pads to old people's homes and stuff, wasn't it? That's genuinely one of your jobs. Yeah, that was one of my jobs. It was a, it was a good job to be fair. The people in there were really nice, and obviously I had to bring the care homes and order all the, the incontinence pads and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm glad I'm away from that now, and I'm, I'm fully into that. But it was a good job at the time, and uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to actually be, be able to help some people as well. It, it must have been weird when you were working in the dart shop A180. And people must have come in the shop, and I, I presume that you had some, you know, very good players coming in that shop. But the the lads who worked there must have known, oh well, this this lad's got talent. This lad's going to be big, and they must have thought, yeah, whatever. He's just some lad working in a dart shop. Yeah, it was strange to be fair. Um, and then obviously I, I I kept progressing. It got better and better. Um, I always remember when I won my windmill, and obviously took the trophy and work, and everyone who was coming in could see the windmill trophy in in the shop and. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a great moment. Also, when I won the gold cup as well. So, yeah, I think that was towards the back end when I knew that I could make it in darts. And then I thought to myself, you know what, I, I can leave the shop and now focus full time on the darts. How's lockdown been treating you? Because you are perhaps one of the more 
sociable members of the PDC tour being locked up at home has, has got to have been pretty tough, I would imagine. You have been playing a lot of online darts. Yeah, no. I mean, I've not played no online stuff since, uh, obviously, the tours kicked back off again. But, mm. um, yeah, it's really hard. Um, I found it quite difficult, to be fair. Um, obviously, the missus has been off work as well. So, at least I've had some time with the family. Probably uh, probably more time than I, I would have liked, to be fair. But um, it, it is what it is. And, like I said, uh, I just can't wait to get back on into the full swing of things and, and back onto the tour. Yeah, I mean, we've had the the summer series, of course. We've got the autumn series coming up. I mean, I would imagine you just can't wait to be back on the Team Nevada fun bus with Ricky Evans and Pallet and all those lads travelling all over Europe to play in, in whatever tournament when the tour kicks off properly. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to obviously getting back onto the tour, seeing my mates that I've not seen for a while. And, yeah, obviously Kai. I've been practising with Kai over the last the last probably six to eight months. Um but obviously with lockdown restrictions and stuff, it's been really difficult. So um, I've been FaceTiming him more than anyone and um, speaking to him and seeing how he's doing. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I've just kept myself to myself. And obviously practising at home is not something that I would always do. So um, it's kept me on the board as well. Yeah, Kai Fan Lung, how good could he be? Because we'd seen him, he'd, he'd knocked around, we'd seen him at World Champion, at World Cups and things like that. And he turned up at Q School, he was playing absolutely fantastic stuff and he's he's been pretty impressive in his first few months of the tour. How, how much do you rate him? He's very dangerous. Um, and I, I, obviously I, I kept in touch with him. I, I've known him um, for quite a while now. Obviously I'm moving to Liverpool benefits both of us because we can practice together but he's such a nice lad as well but is obviously watching him in, in Q School and stuff nothing seems to fade him even when I've watched him on the tour this year he's had some really big scalps already he's beat Johnny Clayton I think a few times and yeah he, he's got that I, I don't know what it is he's got that sort of confidence about him um, and he always he, whatever you see he's a bit like me to be fair because when you see him he's always smiling and yeah, I think that's why he's so he's so um, he's such a good friend now, and uh, obviously I'm just glad that we're on the tour together and and we can uh, we can travel together now. Has he got a Scouse accent yet? There's a, there was a little trace of it when I was speaking to him earlier on this year, but is he going to go full blown Scouse by the end of this year? <laughs> he says la and he says brekkie, but apart from that, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, he's picking it up as he goes. To be fair, and I, I, I did take him to the Liverpool game as well. So, yeah, no, he's he is a good lad, and uh, hopefully he can re- repay the favour when I visit Hong Kong. Yeah, absolutely. Look, what's it, what's it like as as a pro, getting a practice partner who, because you, you've you've practiced with loads of people, you practiced with Anastasia quite a lot, haven't you? Because she lives up round round your ends. Obviously, Kai's been a big factor in your practice game. How important is it getting the right practice partner just to make sure that you are playing at the peak of your game and you both push each other? It's really important. Obviously, um, I can go upstairs and practice on my own and you're not getting that You're not getting that pace. Um, you're just playing against nobody. That's why I think I found the, the home tour pretty hard because obviously there's no one in front of you. You've got to wait for the person to throw on the other on, on the other side of the, of the phone. But um, yeah, just... Just obviously having someone there, it, it takes that away from you. You don't have to play games. You can play finishing or you can do different things. And, and Kai's open to all them options as well. And obviously he travels down to, to the local pub when, when obviously restrictions were lifted. And uh, 
and we we used to play three, four, maybe five hours a day. Um, what's the what's the deal with the team as well? Because I, I'm always interested in that dynamic about when you've got like a management team. Obviously, you're good mates with Ricky Evans and and Dave Pallet. Rob Cross is in the same stable as you. But when you are travelling all over, you must be living in each other's pockets, sometimes sharing rooms together. I don't know what it must be like spending 12 hours in a car with Ricky Evans when you're travelling across Europe. But, I mean, you've got you've got to get on with each other, haven't you, to be able to get the best out of that? Of course, yeah, and we all do. We all speak to each other. Obviously, Ricky, I've grown really close, close to Ricky over the last few years. Um, we've shared rooms together. We're always going out for meals and stuff and having a laugh. And, uh, yeah, he's... He's my type of person, to be fair. He's he's an outgoing lad. He's he's very funny, um, and he doesn't take himself too seriously. A bit like me, but when he gets on a dartboard, he's a hell of a dart player. Three men in a bath. Is that making a resurrection? That was you, Pallet, and Ricky, basically sat in a bath doing a mock chat show with each other on the Euro Tour, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was just a bit of fun to get some followers and stuff. Um, I think there was a, there was a lot of views and a lot of people like that sort of stuff. And, and that's what we're all about, to be fair, humour. To show we're not just our players, we can have a laugh. We're, we're not boring people. And uh, that is our personalities. That really does show through. And who knows, in the future, we could do a few more and maybe even get Kai to do some stuff as well. No, I've looked for, I just want to hear him with his Scouse accent. I think it's hilarious. Um, speaking of which, am I right in think? I don't know if I've just made this up, but I'm sure your manager, John Archer, a few years ago told me that he was actually talking to the people who made Family Guy because they thought there might be a possibility that you could make a cameo on that show. Was that genuinely happening? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I remember, obviously, when the talk of me coming out to bed with the words and all stuff like that, but I don't know how far that went. But Obviously, it would have been great to be part of that show, but that show is uh, is way beyond my means, to be fair. and Just... It, it, to be even mentioned, it, it would have been great, but just just one of them things, I think. Well, where's your darts at the minute now, Stephen? Because you, look, you're, you're ranked 19th in the world. I know your first target is to get back in that top 16, but you feel that everything's moving in the right direction. It's just, I mean, watching the match play, not qualifying for it for the first time, must have been hard, I'm guessing. It was so disappointing. Um, obviously, we went from having, I think, 20 or 20 odd events to only having the five to qualify, so it really. It really tightened what I needed to do. It made me so nervous in Milton Keynes as well. Um, and like you say, it, it's the first time since I've been in the PDC that I wasn't in that tournament. So it was a difficult pill to swallow, to be fair. But but looking forward now, I think, obviously, we've got the uh, the next series of events, which I'm in the Grand Prix position at the minute. I think I'm like three and a half thousand in. So I'm going there with a different pressure. I'm going there to obviously try and boost me rankings up but also I've not got that added pressure of needing to win a load of money to get myself in that tournament because I'm already 90% there so mm. are, you, are you still doing work with your psychologist you've had sort of quite a long running relationship with your sports psychologist and just and you've said it's, it's made a massive difference are you still doing that or do you feel that you've got to a stage where that's not you know I, I don't have to rely on it as much yeah I don't, I don't rely on it that much I mean we, we still touch base every now and again but I think um, those things that that we we talked about and stuff is drummed into you, um, and and like I said, I wouldn't be where I was now if I if I didn't go and see him. Um, he totally changed my mindset, not just on the darts but away from darts as well. And 
like I was in a really bad place. I was I was away from that and I'm feeling upset and locking myself away and it affected my family as well. Um, but now I'm I'm out that other side of that cloud and I'm just feeling happy with my game. I believe I honestly believe that I'm playing better than I've ever played. Um, you look at some of my performances, my averages are, are up there as well and. Um, yeah, I believe that there's there's a title coming soon, and and hopefully I can build on that and push towards towards obviously getting the top sixteen and, and further. Yeah, when you've when you've won what you've won, I mean you've got a couple of PDC titles, and you've obviously got a world championship in the BDO, two world masters back to back. I mean it was you know major titles every year in your last few years in the BDO, but when you've climbed those mountains, is it difficult to? set new goals to go after because ultimately you know you can still be a top 32 player in the PDC and make a good living even if you're not winning major titles or even even you know winning ranking titles on a regular basis there's still you know the, the game has changed where it can support a number of players even if they're not at the very very top but you've got to have that hunger and drive to go and, and force your way up there haven't you definitely yeah. I mean it took me a lot of years to, to produce me best in the BDO um, obviously, I was well number one, I think, for two years then, and I eventually won the lakeside, I think, at my seventh or my eighth attempt. Um, so it just goes to show if you put the hard work in and you keep trying, then good things will happen. Obviously, things happened early in my PDC career um, with the confidence that I bought over from the video. Now, obviously, when you start losing, the confidence drops. But now I believe I've got that confidence and that sort of swagger back. and. I believe I, like I said, I'm playing the best art of my life. Um, it's just that the players are getting better and better as well. I think I played, I played a game the other week against Darius Labanowskis, and I, I, I still can't believe I, I didn't win that game. I, I was flying, I think, 120 on average the first three or four legs, and uh, he had one, two, five to win. He went both 25 both just to Oof. win the match, and. and these are the type of players that you're coming up against, but that's how incredibly difficult it can be. But you, you don't let that get you down. I'm taking the positives away from these games now, knowing that the scoring's there, even from the home tour, the way I was playing in the home tour. And obviously, I lost to Alan Tabin, but I had some great performances in the home tour as well. And uh, even the last summer series, uh, I played some really good stuff. So... Yeah, the form's good at the minute, um, and I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. Great stuff. Good to hear. Onwards and upwards. Uh, look, let's end it with, I mean, I, I always ask you this. Give us a Steve McNally story. Steve McNally, if anybody doesn't know, the hobo is this sort of legendary Scouse darts player who he played. he's played a lot of darts over the years, but has basically got himself into re even more ridiculous scrapes. And you must have travelled around with him for quite some time, I would imagine, Steve. Yeah, we've done a few of the Scandinavian tournaments in obviously Switzerland and stuff like that. But one of the funny ones, he went to uh, he went to Basel and um, he didn't have he didn't have much money. He went went with his rucksack and stuff, and uh, he ended up climbing this fence. Got a bit of electric shock. It was him and Joe Polferman, and they pitched the tent up in this field. And uh, Joe said, "I'm not staying here. It sounds like there's loads of noise and stuff." So Joe Polferman went off. I don't know where he stayed. And uh, there was all this rustling in the trees, and six o'clock in the morning, the zip went on his on his tent, and a baboon stuck his head <laughs> in the tent. <laughs> he, pitched, he pitched his tent up in Basel Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Bullet, Stephen Bunting there with some top quality Steve McNally chat. Always good for a story, Steve McNally. Uh, he mentioned Darius Labanowskis there, Matt. Uh, you know all about him, don't you? No, don't like him. Don't like him. Don't like no. everybody loves the the zany Lithuanian Darius Labanowskis, unless you get drawn against him at the World Championships two times running. Yeah, don't like him. Um, not everyone <laughs> does. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> Um, look, he mentioned there about his psychology. He's talked quite a lot about it, uh, Steve, and he's not doing as much work as he was, but he credits the work he did with a psychologist there for really turning his life around, not just his, his stuff on the dartboard, but you do coaching yourself, don't you, Matt? Do you think more players are willing now to take on advice, whether that's mental or technical? Because I, I, I sense that over the years, there's always been a reluctance to in darts compared to some other sports we could name. Unfortunately, to answer your question, the answer's got to be no. Um, I tend to deal with people that are in the stage of panic rather than the stage of development. So what we often get or what I often hear or what I often speak to is people that come to me and go, this has gone wrong, that's gone wrong, uh, how do I fix this? Rather than going for a development it's going for a, a fix or a solution which you can have a rebuild but the best time to catch it is when you're obviously succeeding and doing well now the problem we've got and i've had chats with players i, I'm an, I analyze things a lot i speak to a lot of people mm. and i often speak to people that sort of was in the rankings but have come down a little bit and I, I try and work out why they think they've come down. But none of them ever turn around and say it's because of the new things that are coming. You look, 10 years ago, I would go to a League 1, League 2 football match and I'd see the striker outside having a fag. League oh, a one, League 2 football match? You'd, you'd go yes. to a League 1 football match and you'd see the striker for yeah. a League 1, the third tier English football team outside the ground having a fag. I'm calling Shinab. That's made. You've made that up. You've nope. made that up, Edgar. Hang on, let me just have a look at the date. I might, I might have got this slightly wrong. No, hang on. When was it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the actual date. I'm on my laptop. I'm, right. I'm gonna pad this out for a second while I have a look. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all right. We can edit this. I'll just put some soothing music in the middle. Okay, cool. Or do you want me to sing again? No, absolutely not. I <laughs> know. Oh, we're talking 15 years. We're a little bit further back. We're a little bit further back. Um, 15 years. Um, right. Ironically, I ended up working with some of these people as well later on in life and coaching. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're outside. And you look at, um, listen to people like Paul Merson or people that was like drinking mm -hmm. whilst playing professional football. And you look at these sort of things and you think of how they've changed down to now, such as like the nutrition and things in the development of that game. And you look at like the development of, of darts and what's come with that. Like darts used to be a drinking culture, which is now changing because of the system of now they're not going and playing county darts as such. They're playing development tour darts when they're mm. younger. And it's a lot more professional. And with that becomes, I mean, look at the younger players coming through, you know, um, there's not many overweight young players. We look at the new dart player, they're quite trim. They care about what they're eating. They're not having a massive fry-up for breakfast. The nutrition's becoming a part of it. Uh, with that, a bit of mindfulness is becoming a part of it. And these things are coming in. So while ever you're... Like, if I'm world number 60 now, for example, and mm. I carry on doing what I'm doing, I'm only going to go down. 
I have to be doing what these other players are doing and then a little bit more if I want to keep developing and moving forward. Because if I carry on doing what I'm doing, yeah, it's good enough now for world number 60. But in two years time, once all these methods and all these things have moved forward, I'm only going to be going down. And it's a massive part that people need to start looking into. I think there's been uh, there's a couple of players that I watch. I, I watch it all and there's, I watch all the events and there's a couple of players I look at and I think, if I got older you and I worked with you and we had a one-to-one management arrangement, we'd be winning stuff, you know. Um, and there, there was two people that I looked at recently that I really thought that. But um, obviously, unfortunately, my ultimate thing is I'm a player first, so uh, I, I have to keep that in. <laughs> well, I mean, does it impress you even more then in terms of Steve? Because Stephen was struggling. He was struggling for quite a long time. And this is a guy who's won big titles in the BDO. He's won a couple of PDC ranking titles. You know, he's a former Premier League player. And he felt like he was on the slide. But to turn that around, that takes some doing, doesn't it? Particularly when, you know, you've just outlined that historically darts has been a sport that's been reluctant to embrace new training methods and new methods of learning so you can actually improve my recommendation to Stephen would be don't stop it he's in the interview there that he doesn't do it as much anymore now's the time to be doing it it's not okay that's fixed now you know there's got to be a process of continuation with that you know you you break a leg yeah you go get that fixed you get amended but then you go through a series of rehab rehabilitation and physio training and then to make sure that that leg ever gets back to 100 percent, we need to keep doing a, a multiple of things and my advice to Stephen, and if i speak to him anytime soon would be don't let that stop now because those techniques and those methods that have worked so far might not work in a different situation. And in a different situation, the, the negativity may come back and then it's a rebuild process all over again. But like you say, Stephen, he, he was on the way down. He was on the slide. He got into that stage of panic. He did something about it. And um, I think now he's found, found his place comfortably where he's in darts, which is bang in the top 32, bang in the middle, which is... Uh, a fair achievement, isn't it? It's, it's good. Like we said at the Not start, who's, your old high master would have been proud of that. Oh, he'd, he'd have loved that, wouldn't he? Um, <laughs> Do you know your record against bunting? Off the top of your head, Matt? Uh, not good. Not good. Play five, one. Uh, one. Uh, no, zero. Never mind. Right, we'll be talking Premier League in a moment. Michael McBride, Michael McBride, 20, sir. 20's first, yes. Treble 17. No. That still leaves the ball. 127, okay. 20's first, yes. Treble 17. No. That still leaves the ball. 127, okay. Unorthodox getting some goal. 127, unorthodox, okay. <laughs> that was the leg, wasn't it, John? Uh, it was, yes. to me. 127 days. Right, Billy. 127 days. Oh, on the ball for 1-2-7. Okay. Unorthodox Okay. 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 Okay.
You do know. Yes, you do. Come along, Matt. Um. Oh, you'll have to. You'll have to. Uh, you might it have to give me a clue. It is the three-time Lakeside World Champion, Glenn Duzer Durrance. You know that. You know yeah. that, Matt. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even <laughs> say his name. Not in not in that sense, you know. If you if you set me up in a different way, but I've got to big him up to do that. No. <laughs> and, and you know he'd clip it. You know he'd record it, clip it, and it'd be all over social media for weeks. It might so. be his ringtone. To be fair, um, <laughs> look, we've we've got five games on the opening night of the Premier League's return, and if you want to make your picks, you can do on the PDC Picks app and the Low Six app. And first, in fact, the first three nights of action are all on there, ready to go right now. Uh, we've had. Uh, little Richard making his picks. We've had Chris Murphy making some selections, although Matt did cover off the fact that you don't need to listen to anything that Murph says, obviously. Uh, and I've made my selections, although I've changed my mind about three times. Uh, we're going to introduce Matt Edgar to our panel of experts. So, Matt, I'm going to take you through the five games on the opening night of the Premier League. And I, I, want, a I want a result, basically. Uh, one player wins, the other player wins, or a draw. It's exactly the same format that we'll be working on on the PDC Picks app and the Low Six Picks app. Um We'll start with your mate, Duzza, uh, against the world champion, Peter Wright. Which way do you think the game's going? I'm just trying to catch up here because I got distracted when he said panel of experts. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, that's, no, that includes you now. It's, it may just be a panel, but uh, yeah, we've gone from an expert panel to just a panel. But you're on it, so that's, you know, get marginal gains for you, Matt. Where do you see this going? I, I think there's never a game in the world that says draw more than them two. Oh, I absolutely agree. That's that's the one thing I've been consistent on over the course of the last few weeks of trying to predict this opening night of Premier League action. I think draws got it's written all over it. And I know you and Glenn have have your have your fun on social media, but even you must grudgingly admit he's a heck of a player, isn't he? Yeah, um, I've never once ever knocked Glenn for his darts. He's one of I, I think he's on course to potentially be one of the best players of this generation you know where uh, he's brilliant you know um his results speak for themselves I'm, i know i'm probably going to get clipped that's why i'm trying to break this brilliantness up a little bit no i'm gonna um, i'm gonna edit this up and it's gonna be the most <laughs> gushing little clip an ode to glenn durren and i'm gonna put it on twitter and you're gonna have to listen to it for the rest of your life He's he's a thinker. I like that. He, he he searches for perfection, but he does it in good way. And he's he's one of those people. I mean, when I was doing the wrestling and like the MMA and stuff, I was the first thing I was told was never not listen to advice, mm. um, even if it's from like a white belt. That white belt might say something that sounds ridiculous, but you can interpret it and put it into your own. And you should always have big open ears. That's Glenn. Glenn listens to everything, and then he filters what's good information, and he uses it. Um, I, you can't knock him. I, I really can't. The, the only if if I want to knock him, what I've got to do is I've got to go to his entertainment value, um, <laughs> and say he's very slow, very boring, and. All his interviews are exactly the same thing on repeat. Um, so yeah, there's that. There's that element. So that, that's my way of getting my knock in on him. But yeah. as a dart, as a dart player, you just can't. You can't. I mean, if you, when we said earlier, you lose or you learn. Who learned more than Glenda? And he lost those two leg sides and was devastated. One of the biggest clips on YouTube for dart player interviews is that one when he lost and he was devastated and someone thought it was a good idea to put a camera in his face. Morbid. 
morbid. <laughs> and, you know, he came back and then won three without any fuss, really. And, and in terms of it, came over to the PDC and has done what he's done. And I put him down the other day as the second best debut season of anyone who's ever switched from the lakeside. So. I think that's very gracious of you, Matt. We're going draw in the first game between Duzza and the reigning world champion. How about this then? Michael Van Gerwen versus Rob Cross, second game of the night. I think Van Gerwen takes this comfortable. Comfortable. I don't... Have you been impressed with him? He he seems a bit up and down since coming back from from lockdown. I mean, obviously, it was a disappointing match play. The summer series, he won two of them, but then suffered some puzzling defeats. I mean, he nearly lost 6-0 to Devon, didn't he? I know Devon was playing amazingly, but you don't expect Michael Van Gerwen to lose 6-0 to anybody. And I know he got match darts in the end, but it was it was a bit, it was threatening to be a hiding. I think the problem is with judging Michael Van Gerwen by peak Michael Van Gerwen, not Michael Van Gerwen versus what the standard of the tour is. If we look at that summer series, Michael Van Gerwen won two out of the five tournaments. Mm-hmm. You know, he's if we judge him against the standard of the tour and against the standard of what other people are doing, he is still head and shoulders above the rest. If we judge him against a peak Michael Van Gerwen, that's where you're going to find your flaws. But we're not talking against a peak Rob Cross. You know, Rob Cross for me, is a player that now more than ever needs to go and look at coaching mm. because there's elements that you can see that aren't right and you can see it within his throw and you can see his instant reaction that tells you that he's not also in a good headspace. So Rob Cross more than ever needs to go and um, have a look at some support and I wouldn't be surprised to see Michael take that quite comfortably. What about... Gary Anderson, because he's up against Michael Smith, and from all the people at the World Match Play, it's bizarre. I don't even know if Gary Anderson, who had a run to the final of the World Match Play, I don't even know if it was a good tournament for him, because quite frankly, his throw looked like a ticking time bomb. It was He's not throwing the darts correctly for periods of games, and then eventually it all came undone in the final, and he, he wasn't able to, to challenge Dimitri in the way that he would expect to. But, you know, you've seen enough of Gary over the last few weeks. Yeah, um both sides, uh, when I saw him go up to the board and then obviously when I went to the board and hit the 117 turn around and took his flight <laughs> took his flights off him. I took his flights. Um so I hit the 170 well, turn around and took his them. flights out of his darts. No, you, I took you, him. I, I, it was like scalping him. Them. Right. <laughs> okay. Like a trophy. It's, um, it's the darts version of cutting his ear off and wearing it in a ne- necklace around <laughs> your neck. Yeah, I took. He offered me the darts, but I didn't take them. And then, obviously, I thought, what a daft idea that was afterwards. So, <laughs> um, I've got a habit of this, haven't I? You ask me one question, and I give you a different answer. Hey, look, um, I like it. It saves me. It saves me the bother of asking you more. Yeah. Uh, Michael and uh, Michael Smith, Gary Anderson. Oh, I think this is a game where I could give you five different answers, and none of them could be right. Right. Well, I mean, there's only three possible outcomes, but um, I wouldn't rule out you giving me more than that. We just saw that one. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I think Marcus. I just think when you've got two guys and one of them is throw looks reliable, you kind of expect you've got a rough sort of expectation of what he's going to do in Michael Smith, and then Gary Anderson, who I don't know, he could average 110, he could average 90. I genuinely don't know, and I think even if his throw breaks down for one or two legs, that might be enough to allow Michael Smith to sneak in there. Now, it might be that Gary's gone away and done, done loads of work and hit the practice ball, but that's not really what Gary Anderson does. I just think Michael Smith is, is the, the safe bet there. 
I was going to say, are we talking about the same Gary Anderson gone away and done loads of work? You well, know, exactly. he's gone back, he's got the fishing rods out. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and he's sat there with the feet up trying to catch some carp or whatever they are. Yeah, I, I think I edged slightly towards Michael Smith, but we're talking Gary Anderson. You know, uh-huh. I, I don't think you can ever dismiss Gary Anderson. And um, and I think, it's, again, whose standards are we judging by? He's just made the final of the second biggest major going, and we're doubting the man. If yeah. anybody else made the final of a major, they'd be glorified and taught, oh, that guy should be in the Premier League. And we're sat here now going, he might not be able to win this game. He might average 90. You know, um, I think it's very easy with darts to get caught up in this world of trying to look for uh, issues within it. Uh, I'm going to draw. I'm going to draw. OK, draw, draw. Fair enough. Right. And um, this could be the game of the night. It's certainly two players I adore watching. Nathan Aspinall. Uh, fellow Challenge Tour winner, like yourself, Matt, and Gezi Price. How's this going to pan out? It's going to be loud. I don't care if there's no fans there. It's going to be loud, and it's going to be entertaining. But who wins it? Go in Price. Go in Price. Yeah. I've got a draw there. I think Nathan's so impressive. But Gerwin Price and Nathan Aspel, for me, are in the top four players on the planet this year, in my opinion. Not that it's worth much. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Nathan, um, <laughs> I think Nathan uh, is one of those players that, for me, another one that now's the time that he needs to get someone educated outside of darts to help him. He doesn't need someone inside of darts circle. So what help does he need? Of... He's winning titles left, right and centre. He's just won the low six home tour playoffs. He's averaging 117 and throwing nine darters. He's in the Premier League and right up near the top of the table. What help does he need, Edgar? I made a prediction. because I do little watch-alongs on my YouTube channel, Edgar mm. TV. Um, oh, I've heard of it, I... yeah. And I said before the match play, I said I marked a game for Nathan Aspinall and I saw a technical issue within his throw. And I said it'll be interesting to see if that happens in the match play. And it did. It happened in the first round a few times and Nathan reacted to it. Watch it back. You can see him reacting to it quite a lot. Um, Whether or not he knows what that is or how to fix that. Is it the little false start he has? The angle of his darts. They stand up anyway, but sometimes they'll stand up violently. Mm. And... um, I just think it's a little thing to keep an eye on. It, it might be sort of nothing. It might be a phase. Things change all the time. You know, just a fluctuation in weight, for example, can change um, a throw. And it might just be that he's not played so much darts because he's not been practicing as much or what have you, you know, and it's just a case of finding that. And by having this long week of being on Sky Sports, he'll practice more for it and he'll work that out of his game. Now, it didn't mean that he wasn't winning. The game I marked for, he threw over 100 average against Simon Whitlock and won. Um, So it didn't affect drastically in that, but there's warning signs starting to appear now that he might have to have a look at something and I just think Gerwin Price is way too Gerwin Price-like. OK, right, final game of the night then. Daryl Gurney versus Chris Doby, the challenger or contender or whatever you want to call him uh, for this week or this night, I should say. Um, I've picked Doby for this, then I picked Gurney, then I've gone back to Doby. I genuinely don't know who wins. I think to complete the set, I'll go draw. But I'm I, I'm struggling to know who wins this, to be honest. Uh, which is why we've got you uh, as our panel of experts to talk us through who wins this game. 
I think I'm also seeing why you got me on because you're quite on the fence here. Right? I, oh, very. I think on the you've fence. gone five draws. Have you got splinters? I'm both sides of the fence with this, and then on it, and then off it, and then on the other side. I just, I just can't. I just don't know. I don't know. I think it's a tricky one. I think Gurney has actually played all right without getting a great deal of reward in the summer series just gone. And I think that Dobie just always seems to impress me, even though he doesn't seem to do as much damage as he should. It's this. It's a strange one with Chris Dobie. What about if we went uh, no draw? What if we had to go... What if there's no draw as the option here? Who are you hanging your hat on? Last time I said Gurney, the time before I said Dobie. Or maybe the other way around. I don't know. I might have to... I must have to ask the coin of fate. Shall I ask the coin of fate? Let's see. Hang on. Right, ah, heads Gurney, tails Doby. Heads, it's Gurney. Gurney, the coin of fate has spoken. See, if that were Glenn Durant, that would have took ages because he probably don't have coins. He's probably got £50 notes. Yeah. And it would have flicked <laughs> it in the air and you'd be like, hang on, it hasn't landed yet. Yeah. And it would just be flittering down. So, it's yeah, <laughs> how'd the other half live, eh? Uh, I'm going to go Doby. Um, I think Chris, like you say, he seems to be getting better all the time. I think that this is probably an opportunity for him to show the PDC on this invitational system basis that he's a worthy person to be putting in as the invites onto these. Um, he played very well at the summer series. I mean, I played Dobie. I was running at, I think it was 106, 105 average, mm. and I was 5-1 down. It was, and you're just like, well, what can you do? And, you know, you just got to hang out to him. And I, I think... I don't. I think lockdown came as an absolute perfect time for Daryl Gurney because I think before lockdown he really looked like he wasn't enjoying life in general. Whether he had issues at home, whether he was just getting tired of all the the travelling and just ground down a little bit, whatever it was, there was something because he just seemed to mopes around all the time. And I think the break would have done him good. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, like you say, to see him come out and take this and back up the coin of fate. But he just didn't seem to be enjoying it for me uh, beforehand. Well, look, Daryl Gurney won't be enjoying things if he loses that game because it might well condemn him to elimination with just the three nights to go until somebody is knocked out of the Premier League. You can join in on the Low Six app and the PDC Picks apps. Uh, small stakes betting against other punters. You can win big cash prizes. As I say, the first three nights are up there already. We've got a good announcement next week as well for a game you can join in. So keep your ears open for that. Uh, what's next for you, Matt? Uh, I mean, is it just adding to your memorabilia collection, more Edgar TV stuff, and then gearing up for the Autumn Series? Uh, the Autumn Series preparations already began. Uh, Edgar right. TV, yes, I... Um... I'm, tr I'm going to keep going for the daily uploads at the moment. I've got a little schedule of videos that I put together and I'm probably about nine days ahead at the moment for ideas. And then in those nine days, I'll probably think of the next few. How I think of them, I don't know. They just pop into my head sometime and I'll, oh, I'll write them down. Um, it's either madness so, or genius. I'm not sure I, which I, one. I think I walk the tightrope that's right between yeah. the two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, it's time to ramp up, like I say, the practice a little bit. Get because uh, until you probably heard this, you you interview a lot of players. You probably heard all this sort of thing before, where they say, um, "I didn't know what to do during lockdown because I was trying to prepare and get ready for something I didn't know I was getting ready for." It yeah. could have been months ahead. We've got a date now. I will be in Germany on. I'm terrible with dates. The something of September. Yeah, twelfth, um, so, eleventh, maybe. Yeah, I'm not doing the World Series, so um, I'll. Be no, not not even going to try and qualify for it. No. Why not? Why not? Uh, a little trip to Salzburg? A big TV appearance at the World Series finals for the primetime player? 
where I'm sat at the moment, I'm sat 60 in the rankings, and with the lack of Euro Tours and the lack of Pro Tours and things that are going on this year, it's vital that I'm in the World Championships. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of defending prize money from two years ago, but I've got a lot of money to defend from two years ago because I had a couple of good runs at the back end. So for me, the priority has to be PDC ranking events. Okay. The World Series is an unranked event, and I don't want to play it. If it was after the, the Autumn Series, I would have played it. But being beforehand, I don't want to play a day beforehand and then take on the Autumn Series. I want to go into the Autumn Series open-minded, fresh, only caring about the Autumn Series. I don't want any other distraction other than that. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's on TV. Yes, there's big prize funds and everything, but it's not where I'm going at the minute. For me, it's all about the the World Championships, and I won't get in the World Championships by winning. By winning the World Series, it won't benefit my ranking position at all so and my ranking right now is the most important thing because like i said from 14 all everyone wanted to be a professional dart player so i've got to do the things that allow me to be a professional dart player in the world series don't do that so um it's getting ready for the autumn series and yeah ramping up the practice i'll probably uh what we on now on the 12th i've got about a month i'll probably spend a couple of sundays over at some car boot sales looking for some old retro toys and things <laughs> you know <laughs> Car boot sales are good because you get some granny that's cleared out her attic over lockdown and they go down. They've got some nice 1988 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to sell for a quid. And uh, I come along and put them on my old shelves. So, uh... If anybody hasn't seen, go and check out Edgar TV for what is an astonishing collection of memorabilia. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Matt. appreciate your input. Uh, some of it expert. Some of it less so, but we will be sticking your picks for the Premier League up online. We'll have a little Richards then. We'll have Wayne's next week as well for the opening night of Premier League action. And, of course, you can test yourself against our panel of so-called experts on the PDC picks and low six apps. Uh, but if you are looking at joining in, do remember you've got to be at least 18 years of age, resident in the UK. Terms and conditions do apply. Please gamble responsibly. And if you or a friend have problems with gambling, please seek help immediately and visit begambleaware.org.